Okay, if I said to you, I want to talk to you this morning about creating spiritual atmospheres over your life, family, and workplace. Okay? I remember... I remember some years ago, I forget the, how long it was now, probably about 10 years ago, if that. And there was a lot of trouble in Ashton. Night after night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, it, the, the, you know, it was like, it was carnos. It was crazy. There was stabbings on the street. The police couldn't keep up with the crime that was taking place in Ashton. The amount of teenagers that were on the streets, it was absolutely manic. The amount of young people on the street. Does anybody remember that? And uh, at that time, we had Kelvin, who was a policeman, who, who attended this church. And, and he was telling us, you know, they can't keep up with, it, with the, the issue. The crime was just unbelievable. And I remember getting really disturbed in my spirit about how our young people are getting basically hacked to death on the streets when it's supposed to be a, night, a, a good night. And um, whenever there's alcohol and young people together, there's always a recipe for disaster. Amen. And so I remember at that time, we used to pray together as churches. So we put an SOS out to all the churches in the Thameside area. And when you bring an SOS out and you bring all walks of life, not all churches pray the same way. Yeah. Some don't use a Bible. Some do. Some don't pray spontaneously. They just let, let someone else pray for them. And, and so you always knew that you were going to have a mixture of all kind of people. And God said, bring the churches together. So we began to bring the churches together. And one night we met in Ashton. And I remember leading the meeting. And you always get a spooky spiritual person, don't you? I just feel we just need to stay here. Stay here. And we just need to cleanse ourselves before we start praying. Uh, and I said, no, that's not, what we, that's not what God said to me, darling. We're going out on the street. We're going to go out as an army and we're going to pray. We're going to walk around Ashton and we're going to take authority over the works of the enemy. And we're going to bring his kingdom down. I was a man on a mission that night. I was like Nehemiah. I wasn't building a wall. I was knocking one down. Right, And I just knew that what the assignment of God upon us that night was to take authority back in the spiritual realm. So we met one night. And the beautiful thing about this is that you've got multiple denominations or multiple flavors. Right, Some didn't even know what spiritual warfare was. Some thought they knew what it was about and some had an idea what it was about. So we're, there we went. We went out. We walked around the streets. And I kid you not, in one week, the whole thing came down. Ashton has never recovered since the day we went on that street. Pubs have never recovered. In fact, if Kevin, Kelvin was telling well, he's not here today, he's, been, he's an American now, but they tell you that the, the, the landlords have never recovered and they have to open their pubs at dinner time because they make more money at dinner time than they ever would if they open up at night time. And what it did, it moved the crowd onto Staley Vegas, what we call Staley Vegas. And Staley Vegas had a moment, had its moment, but it never eclipsed anything that Ashton did. And what it did, it brought everything, it brought a sense of calmness back into the arena. We're not saying, we're not saying uh, Staley Bridge was perfect, we're not saying that. But the, consider, or should they, compared to the carnage that was in Ashton, Ashton's never recovered, and it still hasn't recovered to this day, and it never will do. Well, you could all say amen, and you could get excited about that. Something happened in the spiritual realm, because God spoke to us about going into the spiritual realm and making an impact, the church getting up and going out. Yeah? And then I remember, very clearly, when I worked for my company, BPCC, and I remember I worked there for 17 years, and I, and, uh, I was working con- what they call continental shifts, and we had a factory floor which was, oh, just humongous. And there was a section there on the night time. And all the work that used to be out, you could see all the orders that would come in. And this floor was so big. And then that was an indication of how busy the factory was. And I remember when the orders would subside. And I remember the fear that was created in the factory. Because people thought that they were going to lose the jobs. And whispers would go around the factory. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to close down, it's going to close down. This is a company that had been open 110 years. It had a long history of printing. 
And I remember sensing the fear. And I remember God saying, take control of the fear in the atmosphere. And I remember during night time, because it was a big factory, I could always find a place to go on my own. And I'd go into this room and I'd start praying. And I'd start knocking the seven sorts out of fear. And then I'd start talking about how God would bring prosperity. If not only for me, Lord, you'll bring it to me. I'll be the representative in this factory. I'll take authority. And Lord, redundancies is not going to happen because I will not live in fear. I refuse to live in fear. So because I refuse to live in fear, the factory was safe. That was my attitude. It wasn't arrogance. It was an authority. And I began to pray. And as I prayed, within a week or two, the floor would start filling up with work. Every time this happened. And God had me in that factory as a, as a, a portal to open up Two years after I left that factory, the whole lot went down. A hundred and odd years closed just like that. Why? Because God brings a man into an environment to affect that environment. You're that man. You're that woman. And then I remember when Carol, when, when I first came back to the Lord, Phil and I had, had uh, gone to a church. We're brethren background, evangelical brethren, if you can work that one out. We ends up coming here. This church was charismatic. We just, you've heard me say about this before. It was everything that we were told was wrong. It was demonic as far as me and Phil were concerned. And so our girls, my wife and Phil's wife at that time, had watched us going up and down, up and down, up and down. Our lives had no consistency whatsoever because we'd never been discipled. Our old church didn't know how to disciple. It just knew how to get you saved. That was it. And we came in here and we started to get discipled and we started to, ch- our lives started to change. But our wives were, were, were stood behind us, but they wouldn't come with us because they were frightened. They began to see the change taking place in our lives and thought, if this is what's going to happen to them, this is what's going to be required of me. So what do we do? Do I bully my wife into where I am? No, I didn't even know where I was myself. I just knew I was in a better place. And I remember God saying to me, I want you to go Every night when you pray, I want you to go up in your bedroom and I want you to pray and prophesy over your wife's side of the bed. I want you to prophesy, not when she's in it, when it's empty. I want you to prophesy to the pillar. I want you to prophesy to every part of this bed. I want you to prophesy she'll come awake. Everything inside her will come awake. When she's asleep, she'll hear my voice. When she's awake, she'll hear my voice. And I did this for six months. Seen nothing. But I began to prophesy. I began to prophesy around the house. Everything Carol would touch, I prophesied. If it moved, I prophesied over it. And I thought, nothing's happening. But keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. I prophesied when nothing was there. But I kept on doing it. Why? Because God told me to. The word came. And it, and it took me two years of doing that before early light started to flicker in Carol. And it gave me great encouragement. God said, keep on doing it, keep on doing it. So I resuscitated her back to life through prophecy. My prophecy was the resuscitation of bringing everything that was dead in her back to life. Prophecy did that. My mouth, his word in my mouth brought through prophecy, reignited the whole environment. So what's dead in your life that needs resuscitating? Who's dead around you that you love? The words in your mouth. Then I remember the pub down the road. Come out the, uh, the church here, right down to the bottom. It's now a place what sells washing machines and fridges. But before that, for years and years and years, even as a lad, it was called the halfway house. And my father used to go in there every Sunday. And on Christmas Day, he would go in for half an hour, and, and, uh, an hour, I should say, go in and have a drink. And that pub was the, the standard pub, all open, Sean knew. The halfway house. And then it changed. And then a different clientele came in. Scallies came in. I think they were from Ashton. They came in. And then the pub began to change. And before you know it, stabbings, fights, the whole thing, what came just to a normal pub, became a hot hot place, a hot house, whatever you want to call it, for crime. And I remember our care group, just around the corner, we began to pray. We began to pray what? Within a week, someone threw a firebomb through the window and it wasn't us. Within a week, the pub was closed down. Prayer walking. Prayer walking. We changed the atmosphere. There used to be a pub at the end of the road. Some of you who have been, who have been at this church long enough, do you remember the pub that used to be at the end of the road here? It got burnt down. Do you remember it? Again, 
that thing was causing trouble. I remember us walking around as a church, began to take an authority over it, and the church understood, and someone set it on fire and a whole lot burnt down. Yet again, it was not us. What am I explaining to you? I'm explaining to you that you have the authority and you have what it takes to go and change an environment. We kept a factory open. I brought a wife back to life. We got rid of two pubs. We changed Ashton Town Centre. All because we got off our backside and did something and we opened our mouth and we began to declare what God told us to declare. What's changed? Nothing. Nothing has changed. The ability to go and create a spiritual atmosphere in your world is a reality. Hello? Pat, when she was working at the, well, still working at the the school there, she had a headmaster who who had a negative influence upon the students, upon the teacher. And I was talking about this some time ago. Pat grabbed this word in a spirit and began to pray and pray and pray. He was still there, still being a dipstick, still being a bad influencer, till eventually, out, God flushed him out. We can influence our environment. We can influence our family. We can influence our workplace. We can influence our children. We can influence our parents. Well, look at you all. Now, let's change the language a little bit. You can influence your family. You can influence your children. You can influence your workplace. You can influence your neighborhood. You can do it. Why? Because God's word in you is just as powerful as God's word in us. When we're walking out prayer walking, anyone can prayer walk. Anyone. Now, I'm not giving you a strategy for prayer walk. I'm talking about creating a spiritual atmosphere. Prayer is a key aspect. Now, if you want a prayer walk, do prayer walk. If you want to find a room, find. The, the, the issue is not in the how, what, how you're going to do it. The issue is, will you do it? If walking a dog at night, if you've got a dog, take it for a walk. Let your dog become the reason why you walk around your neighborhood. Yeah? If you don't have a dog, don't buy one. You walk round, or you stay in your back room and you begin to pray. It's not a question of walking round. You don't have to do that. The issue is, is will you begin to open your mouth and start taking authority over your environment? I thank God that if I hadn't took authority over Carol and began to pray over her passivity and her procrastination, I wouldn't have the wife I have today. She would not be able to do daughters of the king. This is a major thing for her to stand up and talk. A major thing. Now, can you imagine when I prophesied, that was the day I was prophesying about. She wasn't even awake at this point, spiritually speaking. You know, Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was dead. So I had to go in there and speak and speak and speak and speak. Massage her in the spirit. Resuscitate her. Speak tender, driven spirit words. Bring her back to life. Tabitha. Tabitha. Do you know who Tabitha is? She's in the Bible. Peter spoke to her. Brought her back to life. Tabitha. Tabitha. She comes back to life. You just keep speaking and speaking. You don't speak your own thoughts. You speak God's word. Your thoughts have no power. God's word has the power. Don't be speaking your opinions. That's no good. So when we see a school flushed out, now, when, you've, uh, when you see a school flushed out or you see an environment uh, pushed out, with the same intensity you use to push something out, use the same intensity to bring the right person in. Yes? That's a key. Don't just pray, ah, I've, got rid of the, you know, I've got rid of the king of the castle, the dirty rascal. Bring the right person into the environment. Don't sweep the house clean unless you bring somebody in. Amen? And sometimes we put all our energy on pushing something out, flushing something out. But we got to bring something in. God, you come in. Bring your men in. Bring righteous men in. Amen? You've got to determine what your environment needs. You've got to determine how spiritual is your husband. How spiritual is your wife? How spiritual are your children? How spiritual is your environment you're working? How spiritual is your neighborhood? 
You've got to work it out. How spiritual is your nation? How spiritual is your city? And as you begin to work those things out, go before God, get the word. Because if you pray for the peace of the city, guess what? It prospers. The Bible tells us that. It prospers. And if it prospers, so do you. Amen? It's possible to create a spiritual atmosphere. It's possible to create a spiritual atmosphere. It's possible to create a spiritual atmosphere over your family. Have you noticed your kids know how to create their own atmosphere? You know, last week, oh, not last week, a couple of weeks ago, Harper, my granddaughter, she's nearly three. She knows how to arrest an environment. She knows how to arrest an environment. She goes to a party. I don't know which kind of party it was. And her custom is on a Friday, on a Friday she goes to a great-grandmother's. She's very blessed. She has a great-grandmother. She has uh, grandparents. And she's got loads. She doesn't know sometimes which granddad's who. Because she's got quite a few. And she comes to this party. And then she comes in. She stays at um, my, uh, my mother-in-law's house. And on the Saturday... She just comes out with this word that I will not repeat to you. Clear as anything, proud as anything, because when Harper sings or speaks, it's loud. That girl's going to be a preacher, I can see it. She's got a granddad in her already. And as she speaks and brings this word out, the whole atmosphere was arrested. Now, let's put this in context. No one swears like my father-in-law. He's Scottish. But she's never heard him swear. We have. But she hasn't. So she didn't pick it up from him. So as she begins to swear, grandma looks at her. The whole house stands still. And she's just saying it like it's nothing. Because it's an innocent word to her. She has no idea what she's saying. But all of a sudden, everyone's kind of running to her to try and close, push those words back into her mouth to send them back to where they came from. And then, obviously, an apostolic rebuke has to come in from grandma. What are you saying? She made me say it. <laughs> she points to her sister. She told me to say it. And Ella's looking at her going, I, I don't know what that word means. So she arrests the environment by her words. So if a little girl can do that, why can't you do that? I'm not talking about swearing at the environment. The innocence of a child to say something. To her, she didn't, it was just a word. A word she'd heard. So when you hear words from heaven, why can't you be that child? Why can't you speak into your environment? Come on, ask yourself why. Well, I can. Now the issue is, do I want to? Can't be bothered. Can't be minded. Let me ask you a question. Do you want an occupation or do you want to occupy territory? Are you just interested in an occupation or do you want to occupy territory with your occupation? Do you just want an occupation, a job, or do you want to occupy the territory that you work in with your job? Either way, you'll get paid. Either way, you'll get paid. But is that really what God wants from us? Just to have a job? No. God wants you to have an influence in your environment and get paid for it. How cool is that? Some of us have been taking the job are taking the salary, but we've never been the witness in the environment. And we've worked and we've worked and we've worked. And we think we're faithful to God because we go to work. No, you're faithful to your own bills. Need keeps you in work. Don't want for one minute think, I, I'm showing honour to my boss because I turn up. Someone else will show him honour. If you don't turn up, you go to work because of bills. Most of us do anyway. Now, if you happen to enjoy your job while you're there, that's a great bonus. To enjoy something and get paid for it is delightful. True? Most people don't enjoy the jobs. They don't enjoy the jobs. Most people are doing jobs they've never thought they were going to do and never trained to do. Why? Because the opportunity came and they took it. And they take it, the jobs are like trains. They'll take you somewhere. Some in the wrong places, some in the right places. So do you want a job that's just going to give you an occupation and provide for your needs? Well, that's basic. Yes, you do need that. Or do you want to take territory within your company? 
If we're going to take dominion in every domain, every place where God has put us, he's put us there for a reason. He's put us there to take dominion in the workplaces where we are. Does God hear your prayer in work? Come on, answer it for yourself. So therefore, he knows where you work. Right then. So if he can hear your prayer in work, why can't you pray for those in work? You've already said he hears you. So there's no problem with the GPS. God finds you in your work. Okay? So if he can hear your prayer in work, why can't you pray for those you work with? It's gone quiet, Phil. Not hearing anything. Your occupation cannot just be a place that provides you with a salary. Come on. Don't tell me your kingdom. Keep your mouth shut. Come to work on Sunday and tell him, you know, all oh, living the days in heaven and earth. Oh, I arise, advance, accelerate. And go back to work and never open your mouth. That's a lie. You're lying to yourself. Yes, you might need to get the boldness of God to do something, but don't at least be honest with yourself. Yeah? Do you see your house as a building to live in? And protect you and keep warm, or do you see it as being a territory that can be used to bring others into? Is your house just a building that keeps you warm, protects you, gives a safe environment for your children, or is your house a tool that you can bring others into? Come on. Why do we why do we go to the extent of buying a house and never bring others into it? They say an Englishman's house is his castle. Oh, Englishman's Castle is his home, I should say. That's the way. The trouble is, we have something, and it's a siege mentality. We lock everybody else out, and we lock ourselves in. You know, if I go to Australia, the generosity of Southern Lights is unbelievable. People will make room for you. If you say to someone, I mean, it amazes me how someone from Adelaide or wherever it is in Australia, they'll just travel into Melbourne, and there's some, everyone just puts them up. Puts them, now, you have got bigger houses, in all fairness. But that's not the point. The generosity of the people. The generosity of the people to house the students year after year. Is it any wonder God can, can move amongst that people who will make room for him? And yet we have houses. He said, well, my house is only a two-bedroom. Well, that might, be, that might be true. But you. so what? You've got a dinner table, though. You can invite someone for a meal. So they can't sleep at your house. I get that. But when you're buying a house, do you think... About just your needs or do you think about God's needs? How can God use this house? Right now, Paul and Emma are buying a house. First thing on their mind is, how can we this house serve God in a way that our other house didn't? Come on. And then the other thing you say is, well, my husband's not saved. So why don't you change the environment? Stop saying my husband's not saved. Now, you might have to wait. A while before he finally comes round to what you want. But start the process today. My wife. Listen, I had a call on my life to go to the nations. What she didn't realize is that's her call. She's coming with me. Now, when she's dead on the bed, do you not think God knows what we're prophesying? Of course he does. Right. So you might want in your heart, you might say, Lord, I'd love to bring people into our house. Okay, what's the obstacle? My husband or my wife. Right, start the process. Start praying. Start declaring. Don't lose the intense, the intensity. Don't lose it. Because if you lose it, who's going to change it? Keep praying. I have just given you six examples of how we have changed the environment. Six. So don't tell me it can't be done. The only obstacle is bigger than all them. Do you know what it is? You. You're the reason why it can and why it cannot happen. You're the reason. Do you see your street as just being a place that is part or an area that where you live in? The house is cheap there, so I'll buy the cheapest, cheapest property I can or I'll buy a nice house in a nice area. Is the area just somewhere where you run away to again? Or is the area a territory that you can take? Come on, think about it. Your neighborhood needs reaching. You know, Openshaw was one of the worst areas for crime. Slowly but surely, Openshaw is turning into an half-decent area. 
It's not finished yet. It's still under reconstruction. We're rebuilding the walls. Openshaw will be rebuilt. Some properties might need to be taken down. The natural might need to take place. But guess what? Once you start taking a spiritual authority, it's a wonder how the natural seems to join with the supernatural. I remember walking around uh, Drawsden time and time again, praying that God would bring a new infrastructure into Drawsden. I remember God praying, bring new business in. Look around. This new building, the building here, for works and pensions, 200 people. Look around, all the new houses in the state. Now, you might sit around and say, well, Britain needs new houses. But it doesn't mean to say they have to build them here. It doesn't mean to say they have to build them on your doorstep. But you look at the infrastructure of Drawsden and Tameside. We are socially, spiritually re-engineering Tameside. What starts in the spirit will have an effect in the natural. Why does God bring investment into Tameside? It could go somewhere else. Why? Because God is on the case of Tameside. Seriously. Now, I know you say, amen, you like the idea of that, but someone's got to go and shape that. Someone's got to go and engineer that in the spirit. Come on, it's not rocket science. What does your area lack? Pray. What does your husband, wife lack? Pray. What does your work environment lack? Pray. Whatever it lacks, pray. Start there. See, that wasn't rocket science, was it? I've got a really arrogant boss. Pray that God humbles him. Not you, God. Yes? Don't go up to him and say, God's told me I've got to humble you. Guess what? You're out. God will humble Nebuchadnezzar. Don't worry. Keep praying. And every time you pray, this is what's going to happen. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And you're going to think, are my prayers working? Yes. That's a sign that they're working. And you think, he's, having, he's got it in for me. Good. Why? Because you're going to learn to die to self. You're going to have to learn to love him or love them, love her. Well, hang on. This, this thing was about praying. Him changed, not me. No, God will reveal your heart towards them. I'll give you a little clue. I hated my boss. And I think he hated me. And I think he hated everyone else in the factory. I think he resented the fact that he had to employ us. There was no more arrogant than my boss, believe me. He was a pompous man. But guess what? The factory stayed open because of this man wasn't pompous. I really believe that. God kept that factory open because I prayed and kept on praying. Have you ever felt fear in the room? Have you ever felt it when people think the jobs are on the, on the, the line? Families are thinking, what are we going to do? It can devastate a whole environment. It can bring a vacuum to a whole area. Hope, hope is gone. And you have to stand there and be the man, be the woman that brings, that God can find a man in that area, in that environment. God can get heaven to you and bring hope to everybody. It just takes one person. One person. Some of you don't believe this, I know this. But already the word came to you this morning. Pay attention. You've already heard, you got up this morning differently. And yet still now you're struggling in your mind. Stop struggling and start believing. Now don't just believe, then take it to action. And when you take your belief to action, then it become a habit. Take your belief to an action, it'll become a habit. Yes? And don't expect change the first week. Or the second week. Or the third week, unless you're praying for pubs to close down. <laughs> that seems to work within a week for me. I have this grace, this anointing like to close pubs down. So don't open a pub, will you? Seriously. Do you see your street as just being a part of the neighborhood? Or do you see it as territory that you can win? Okay. In jo Joshua chapter 14, verse 10, you think he's not read a scripture. I've just spoken scripture to you. Joshua chapter 14, uh, 14 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised... He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Whilst Israel moved around in the desert. Just camp there for a minute. I'm seeing something here that I never prepared. God kept him alive for 45 years. He's already 45 years old. Now God's keeping him alive for another 45 years so that his word 
can be fulfilled. How long does God have to keep you alive until his word's fulfilled in you? Come on, be sober about this. God knows whether you will fulfill his word or not, and yet he still puts his seed inside of you. He still deposits his goodness inside of you, knowing that we're going to fail, Dave. Knowing that you're going to fail, Phil. Knowing that I'm going to fail. Knowing that you're going to fail, Edna, John. He knows it, but yet he still does it. But that's the goodness of God to put his seed into our hearts. But when he sows a prophetic word beyond salvation, God does it for his own purpose. His kingdom has a purpose. And he wants you to be a divine instrument so that you can take part and be a player, be a partner in bringing the kingdom to heaven. So from the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. So this man's kept alive. The prophetic word had preserved him for 45 years. So listen, the prophetic word in this house doesn't preserve some of you for two hours. Some of you can't keep it alive inside of you for more than two hours. This word had kept this man alive for 45 years. 40 Five years carrying the word and he had not seen the promise. Can you please remind me so I know you're all awake this morning. How long did he keep him alive? Can you go 45 years without seeing the promise? Yet still believe the promise is there. Wow. That's, at least that's an honest answer, Julie. Well done. I don't know. That's a fair assessment. Some of us like to think we can. But you know, when you've got no other hope, what do you do? You might as well keep on believing. But guess what? Believing is not enough. You've got to keep on praying it in, prophesying it in, until that word becomes locked inside your heart that it's unmovable. Because if circumstances keep on shifting you, the word has no ground and no weight. Come on. 45 years. Now my daughter and my son are not following God. And yet they're both raised around the things of God and seem, they've seen unprecedented miracles. And yet they're not following God. What do I do as a father? Do I give up? Or do I press in? Now, do I give up because I'm a parent? No, you, oh, let me rephrase that question. As a parent, you would expect me not to give up. But my actions will determine whether I've given up and lost hope. How much do I prophesy? I have this peace about my daughter, even though she's involved in the most foulest relationship in my mind she can be involved in. And yet, as a father, I've got peace. Every time I see my daughter, I embrace her like a man, reminding her this is how a man feels. Do you think it gives me and Carol joy to see our daughter involved in that relationship? No, just like it doesn't for you. But guess what, church? You're the answer. She has no hope unless you keep praying. It's my prayers that keep rescuing her, and I don't see the work. I just have to believe something's taking place. In work, 45 years, I had great hopes that my daughter would be a missionary. I really did sense that was her destiny, to be a missionary. Loved being around kids. Really sensed that that was going to be her destiny. Never quite understood what was Ben's destiny. Destiny. Seriously, I didn't. No, I'm being, I'm being clearly honest. I didn't have that clarity like I had over Laura. Now I'm seeing what Scott's destiny is. I can put all my weight behind that and begin prophesying into that. Sometimes as a parent, it's not always easy to see the destiny of our kids, but we've got to keep pressing in until we do get it. Because they don't see it. They're just as blind as you. Having kids is not the end. We've got to have a destiny for our children. And from that destiny, every decision that we make moves them to their destiny. So that eventually they just click, it clicks with them. It's natural for them to walk into it's not enough just to bring them and dedicate them. Keep, you must know the destiny of God for them. I wish to God someone would have told me this when I had children. I wouldn't have done half the stuff I did if I'd have known what I know now. Once I was blind, now I'm not. 
Now I have to pray and prophesy over the Laura. And all I ever do is prophesy her DNA. That's all I ever do. I prophesy the DNA. That's what it all begun. I know what God has spoken. I know what God has given her. And that's all I can do is call her back to her DNA. Her DNA is to serve God. So whatever your, your uh, family DNA is, call it back. Call it into place. Your God-given DNA, that is. So here we are. Well, Israel moved around in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. So don't tell me I'm too old. Dorothy, how old are you, sweet? 85. There you go. 85 years of age, still around. And he's still going on about what God put in his heart 45 years ago. He's carrying this atmosphere inside him. He's carrying this intensity inside him. I'm going to have my moment. Before I leave planet Earth, I'm going to have my moment. He says, still as strong today as Moses, sorry, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. May not have the energy, may not have the energy, Dot, but I'm still as vigorous. Okay? Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. So we can still remember what God promised him 45 years ago. You yourself heard it when the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So Caleb had lived on the promise of God all his life. 45 years of his life. So must you. Caleb lived 45 years with the promises of God on his life. So must you. So must you. Be determined, Dot. You're not going to leave Great Lake Planet Earth until God fulfills his word in your life. Amen? Caleb had been kept alive for 45 years since Moses prophetically spoke to him. The word that God speaks to you is meant to keep you alive. It's meant to keep you alive. Phil has been alongside me many, many times when men from different nations have prophesied. And you know, this good friend of mine helps keep that word alive in me. He helps keep that word alive. He resuscitates my life with the prophetic word. And he'll, he'll remember, he'll say, do you remember when this was said? In fact, only a couple of weeks ago, he brought a part of a prophetic word that had been spoken over me, and I forgot all about it. And I thought, I did not remember that. And he brought a part. You need people like that who can remind you of the word. He's been a great strength to me for, in that area. That word comes back. Why? Because that word is meant to keep the purposes of God alive in you. The purposes of God alive. Not you alive. The purposes of God alive. If you die tomorrow, you're going to heaven anyway. But God's purpose must be fulfilled in you. God's looking and waiting to see if his word will be fulfilled. But it's got to keep us alive. It's got to keep us alive. Amen? What God was, sorry, what is God keeping you alive for? Ask yourself, what is he keeping you alive for? I am just getting, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. I'm going to keep you guessing for a little while because I haven't got permission to, spend, to share it all yet. But God, I am generally, for the first time in my life, over something, I am generally tickled pink. I really am excited about this new venture that I believe God is about to open up for me. And I've not been excited about something like, well, I can't ever remember being, I wasn't this excited when I came into the ministry. Seriously, I wasn't. I just knew it was my destiny. But this is what God's putting on my radar. I'm generally excited. I'm like a little kid. How many more sleeps? How many more sleeps? I'm just waiting for God to open that door. I'm born, I'm gone. I'm in it. Because it, it, this just really appeals to me. And I just know God, and I've had to wait 16 years. 16 years. But boy, and now I feel I'm ready. Give me the word, Lord. And I know if I go, you've got to come with me. But I'm excited for me. And when I mean me, you know I really mean you. And when I say you, I mean us. But I really am because God's keeping me alive for this. I'm going to be a nation changer. 
And that means you as well. Because whatever God gives to me, gives for us. Amen? So what is God keeping you alive for? What has God prophetically spoken to you about? You must write these things down and get an agreement with him. Don't change what he's prophesied. Change, stay with what he's prophesied. Don't add things to it because God won't answer what he hasn't said. Is this good advice? What actions and decisions do you need to move towards what God has said? Come on. What actions can you take? Well, I don't know. Ask God. Maybe that's holding the delay. Maybe your obedience. Maybe you need to let go of something. I don't know. That's for you to go and wrestle with. I've got my own problems. Maybe you're old in body, but you can be determined in spirit. What's age got to do with it? What's age got to do with it? Now, I keep telling you, and I'll tell you again because this one's free. Destiny needs a body. Every cream cake you eat, every pint you drink, every bag of chips you snaffle down your throat could be taking weeks, months off your destiny. Come on, that's a sobering thought. When you live with no purpose, you live for yourself. Weight is a big issue. Now, I know in certain churches you can't use the word that, but we've said it this morning, it's out there. Weight is an issue in the kingdom. Spiritual baggage, physical weight will kill us all. And as you get older, I don't know if you know, a kingdom enlargement comes upon you. Right? And you have to look after yourself. But if you don't look after yourself, it's because you're going nowhere. Well, let me give this word of the Lord to you. <laughs> You know when I told you that you can't say somewhere anymore, you can't say something, you've got to define it. Do you remember? And then I heard Papa Jonathan say the same thing, and I thought, oh, great, what I'm saying, what I should say, what God's saying to me, he's saying to him. Good, but I heard it first. I was speaking this in Australia. You cannot say something anymore. You must say what it is so people can lay hold of it and enter into it. Stop saying something. Give it language. But guess what? The grave is somewhere. We can call it the grave or we can call it somewhere. If we don't look after ourselves, the grave looms large. If we look after ourselves, we can go somewhere. Somewhere in the spirit, not somewhere in the rainbow eye up eye. You know, somewhere over the rainbow, I should say. We're not going somewhere. We are trying, we're laboring to make this somewhere become very descriptive. The nations, our nation, the nations. We're not just going somewhere. We're going to a specific place. So you may be old in spirit, uh, may, old in body, but you can be determined in spirit. No excuse. Listen, there's no age limit on your spirit. There is no age limit on your spirit. Your spirit is free. My spirit is just as young today as the day it was created. My spirit is eternal. So why has it got an age on it? It hasn't. So my spirit, just let your spirit connect with God's spirit and God will show you things. Your spirit is eternal. Amen? Then he says this, I'm as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Stallion, baby. That is the stallion of all stallions. He's 85. That's the stallion. So if he can be 85, so can I. It's just gone up now. We've got to beat him now. Phil, we've got to beat him now. We've got to get to 86. We've still got to be a stallion. And if, we have, if it takes us another 45 years to get through what we, we were on this planet to do, then it'll take 45, 46 years. For you and I, mate, that's, well, for me, I've got 36 to go. 36 years, and then I can go, because I want to beat this fella now. Caleb. Papa said he wanted to beat, who was it? Moses. I want to beat Caleb now. I'm just as strong, as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Is there a battle still in you? 
Is the battle within you or is there a battle within you? Hello? Is there a battle within you in your emotions or is there a battle within you for a fight? Come on. If the battle is always within you, there's always a battle within you, you're going nowhere. But if there's a battle forged within you, or in other words, you're designed for a battle. Okay? To the offensive. Go for it. Yeah? Then he says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. I'm 85 years of age, he's saying, there's not a long left. I want, I'm cashing in my chips. I want what was promised me. Is there any tenacity in this room? Oh, well, I see, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, you, you did respond even though you didn't. I take that as no. Is there any determination within you for the battle? You've got to fight for it. It's not free. It's not easy. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. He will not stop until he gets his territory. Is that how you feel? He will not stop until he gets his territory. I'm no, I now know part of my territory and I'm getting excited for it. I'm getting excited for it. There were cities that were large. Listen, here's one for you, Phil. There were cities that were large and were fortified. But the Lord help, will help me to drive them out just as he said. See, when I think of going and taking Manchester as a city, I have no idea where to start. I've got to be honest. It's like the elephant. But you can only eat the elephant one bite at a time. But the elephant, because it's so big, it always seems like you've never ate the elephant. It's always in the room. And you always feel like no matter how many bites you take out the sucker, he's still as large as the day you first started. He's an all-you-can-eat buffet <laughs> that never diminishes. Has anybody else felt like that with the elephant in the room? But we must start somewhere. So we start with prayer. We must start with prayer because we can physically affect we can go immediately into effect the moment we start praying. Come on, think about this. See, some of you want a position and want a role that might take a while for it to come about. Why? Because God's making the man. Yes. This man wants to go into politics. He has no idea what's got to happen to him yet. But God's got to make him before he can go into that realm. Many will come in, we're going to have our own counsellors. I don't mean church counsellors, I mean Counselors, we're going to have our own MPs. Why? Because this is the destiny of this house. We're going to have those people. People are going to go into different stratas, stratas of politics in our nation from this house. But God has to make the man. But while God's making the man, he doesn't stop David praying. It doesn't stop David praying. God spoke to me, and I told you this, and it, and it really knocked me off my feet, stood in the Legacy Centre, and I'm praying, Lord, what do you want the Dream Center to do? We'll do this this year. We'll do that this year. We'll do that. I'm giving God all the resources and all the plans. I'm making myself available. And God says, you're the only one that's not available. He said, it's the wrong question, Tony. Why don't you ask me what type of man the city needs? Whoa, straight away. And I knew what he was saying. He says, you're not him. Because you do this, 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 and this. And I knew exactly my own sins were all piled up. The only, all the reasons why God couldn't use me, even though I wanted to give him all my resources, go and do this and go and do that and go and do this. It's like what Phil told us in the uh, Authentic the other week about the man who built the schools and the hospitals. When will you start doing what I told you to do? If, I, if you want to go and reach the city, but I need a man. But not just any man, I need a certain man. And Tony, we were having this conversation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when God speaks to you, he doesn't play games with you. You know exactly what he's saying. And I'm trying to come to that place where I'm thinking, that means you're going to strip me down and I'm going to have to let go, give in, and make that journey. The same journey I keep telling the people in church to do. Now it's your turn. 
and I've got to let go of some things I've not always been willing to let go of. And I know exactly what's, you know, it, to know what you need to do and don't do it is stupidity. And I've been stupid at times. I guess I'm on my own though. I know you're not like that. Yeah. So there were cities that were large and were fortified, but the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said, God will help us. God has got to help us, but we must partner with him. The moment we start to pray and take seriously the environments we're working, God will work with us and begin to change the environment. Yeah? Each and every one here in this room is responsible for going before God and asking him for a strategy of how you should pray. Everyone in this room is. To do nothing is an abandonment of your God-given responsibility. To do something is to partner with heaven. Don't say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. He says, how can I bring it on earth if I can't even move it through you? Start with your home. Start with your home. Begin taking authority over your home, spiritually, about sickness, the way you partner uh, your children, how you behave around your children. Start taking authority over that spiritual realm. Start acting differently, praying differently about how you get involved with your children. Do things that was really going to be constructive spiritually as well as physically. Amen? Stand in the gap for your children. doesn't matter if your children are off, off course. It does matter, but what I mean is, it doesn't mean to say you have to be off course. You must stay on course so you can bring everything that's out of course back on course. You've got to do that as a parent. My dad's not saved. Stand in the gap until they are saved. If you don't, it's no use saying amen. You've got to do something about it. Amen means you agree with it. Got to do something about this. Your street, invite your neighbor in for a meal. Go and mow the lawn. Go and do something for them. Show an act of kindness. Well, I don't like my neighbor. Find something. Find something that can affect your neighbors. Bring them. Bring them. Listen, before they see church, they see you. Maybe that's why they don't come to church. Come on, wake up, be honest. They might say, well, if you're a Christian, I don't want to go where you're going. Okay, go down the church down the road. But go to church. Find God. Your workplace environment. Hey, why not go and buy your office staff a load of cakes? But you can't have any. Why not just go and buy some cakes? Why not just go and buy some sandwiches? Or bake, bake a pie and take them in and share them amongst the, amongst the staff. Do something different. Oh, I've got to do something. I don't like them. Well, start there. God, give me a heart for them. Give me a heart for them. Do something that will really help them. Buy them some sandwiches. Help things. Do something extraordinary. Let them know you're different. Yeah? Stop thinking it's somebody else's role. Do something. It's your role. It's nobody else's. You're the one hearing this message. It's coming to your ears. It's being, transfer it's being transmitted on Dream Center FM. It's coming into you. Yeah? Your kingdom come, Lord. Where? In your place. On earth. That's your earth. Well, where's my earth? Ask yourself, where's your earth? Right. Whatever to live. Whatever to lay my heart. That's my home. Whatever to work, that's my place. Whatever I do fellowship with or whatever I do friendship with, that's my earth. Don't Google it. You know where your own earth is. Yeah? Here we go. Finish on this. Romans 12 verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Listen, this is your spiritual act of worship. At what point did he say sing a song there? Nothing to do with singing. This is why we've got to clean worship up. I urge you, I'm pleading with you. In view of God's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You are the worship. How you live before God is your worship. Amen. This is your spiritual act of worship. So here we go. Five things for you. 
just to write down, Job, we finish. Your Christianity needs your physical involvement. Your Christianity needs your psychological involvement. Your Christianity needs your physical involvement. Your Christianity needs your psychological involvement. Your Christianity needs your emotional involvement. Your Christianity needs more than a Sunday involvement. These thoughts came into my mind the other night as I was walking down the stairs. You're getting here to free. Your Christianity needs your family's involvement. So it needs your physical, psychological, emotional. It just doesn't need your Sunday involvement, but it needs your family involvement as well. If God can get you into that level of service, you'll become an atmosphere changer. There's so much I want to say on this, and I will say. Let's just start there this week. Start praying about what needs to change in your environment. This morning, you've just been, I've just been giving you a quick download. I want you to write down this week, please, if you will, what needs to change. Who needs to change in your environment? What needs to change? Maybe you need to change first. Maybe you're the person that's got to change because you're the vehicle. Everything flows through you. Get yourself right with heaven. Connect right, accurately. And then find out what needs to change and then be determined 45 years. That's a long time, would you agree? 45 years, and yet he did not waver. He stayed promised, true to the promise. And guess what? He got his mountain. Because it was prophesied and promised he would have his mountain. So what's your mountain? What's your mountain? What do you want? What is your mountain? My mountain's the nations. The city. You determine what your mountain is. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. True as I said to Paul, finished half past. That's a new revelation. Does this help you? You think you, you think it's possible, John? You think you can go and do it? You think you can do it, Edna? Good. Don? Come on, don't make me go down the line. I really want us to take this to action. A lot of church is missing this morning, so you're a week ahead of them. So you're a week ahead of them. We're not weak, but we're a week ahead of them. So right now, let's. you got up off the floor this morning differently. Or maybe you didn't. But the word came to us, we was. So I'm going in with my new coat on. You put your garments of righteousness on. Spirit of praise. Spirit of prayer. Put it on. Put your prayer shawl on. Be as, Israeli, be as Israeli as you want to this morning. Put your prayer shawl on. But there's no wailing wall. We're removing the wall. So right now, before the Spirit, lift your hands up if you will and say, Father, you just speak to the Lord yourself. And say, But this is how my prayer is going to go. Father, you know that you, within me is your word. Your word has, has given me the power to create and change and transform environments. The first environment you've told me to transform is myself. To be renewed by the, by the renewing of my mind. So, oh God, this week I'm going to renew my mind. Lord, get me in a line. Get me, uh, get me in sync with heaven. As about what pastor's been speaking about this morning. Lord, I'm going to battle. I'm going to fight for those I love. I'm going to fight for what matters to you. I'm going to stand there irrespective of, of what I see and what I don't see. And if the heat gets turned up, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be a standard bearer. I'm going to stand in the midst. And if it takes me 45 years, then Lord, your strength will give me what I need to hold that word in my life. Lord, you're keeping me alive. Your word is keeping me alive. Your word will sustain me. It will give me all the nutrients that my spirit needs to keep me alive. Father, if my spirit goes down, I'm dead. So, oh God, I lift up this word to you. Lord, with joy, with thanksgiving, 
I thank you that you have you've resuscitated my spirit this morning to stand in the battle again for my children, to stand in the battle again for those I love, for those who, who mean so much to me, oh God. For those I go to work with, the people I like, the people I don't like, the people who can give me help, who don't give me help, the people who hinder me and the people who bless me. Lord, I'm in that workplace for you. I'm not just there for a vocation. I'm there, oh God, for occupation. Lord, and for occupying that territory, I should say. I'm not there just for occupation, but I'm there to take territory. Lord, show me how to advance this atmosphere. Show me, oh God. Give me your words to pray. Give me your words to shape a whole environment. Oh, Father, your kingdom come, your will will be done in my family, in my home, in my workplace, in my my neighborhood, in my city, in my nation. God, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. I'll hold on to this word. Lord, the nights want to cry. There'll be nights. There'll be nights when I wail. There'll be times when I when I'm feeling down. But oh God, your word will come to me again. You'll whisper me in my ear again. You'll resuscitate me, Father. Just as Pastor Tony resuscitated Carol from the grave with prophetic words, Lord, that you will give me the word that will resuscitate myself and resuscitate my own environment. Father, do not let me go to the grave. Do not let all your hopes go to the grave. Do not let your purpose in me go to the grave. But Father. Strengthen me. Let heaven and earth be a witness today that today's the day we take the fight. Today's the day we start cleaning up the environment. Today's the day we start taking over. We start occupying new territory. Today's the day, oh God, when I'm going to start cleansing the atmosphere around me. I'm going to start cleansing the atmosphere within me. Today's the day, oh God, I'm taking my mountain. I may be 85, I may be 65, I may be 75, but my spirit is still as vigorous today as the day that the word was spoken. Lord, I will not surrender. I will not back down. I will not be pampered or pepped up. I will not be promised only to be let down. Lord, I'm taking my mountain. This is my mountain. The sovereign Lord has given it to me. So nobody else is giving it to me. And this day, This day, heaven and earth is a witness of the word that's coming to me. I'm paying attention, oh God. My spirit's alive. I'm hearing the word. Lock it in in your spirit this morning. Don't leave this place. Don't lose it over a sandwich. He kept it for 45 years. Don't lose it. Please, don't lose it. Keep the word. Write down what God's saying to you today. Go home. Start a new day. Fight for what's yours. Fight for your right. Oh, I tell you, I speak to my own daughter right now in the spirit and my own son right now. Ben and Laura, your destiny, your your DNA was to serve the purposes of God. Nothing has changed. Despite what I see, despite what I hear, nothing has changed. Father, bring all the works of the enemy to a crash. Bring it down, oh God. Right now, I call my son. Come on, call those you love. Come on, call them in the spirit right now. Whatever it is, call it. Get vigorous. Get strong in your spirit. Right now, I declare. Right now, I declare my children. I declare they will. me and my household will serve the God. Me and my household will serve the purposes of God. Nothing has changed. The destiny is still as hot today as the date was spoken. Many of you dedicated your children. You gave them to the Lord. Speak that word that was spoken over the day that we dedicated. Oh, mighty God. Oh, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day. Oh, mighty God. Oh, Robo Shatarama Marianda. I really sense in the spirit that God is going to bring a remnant back. I really do. Many who have left are going to automatically, suddenly lock in and start coming back to the house of the Lord. They're going to find the ways. Things would have changed. As they come into the house, you would have changed. The environment would have changed. Things will not be the same as they would the day they left. They'll see that God has moved on. God is progressive. God is not the same God. God is, cha- God is changing, but he himself never changes. 
But God, what he's doing with the people, he moves with his people. People don't want to come back to a church that's still the same. They want to see a people that's moved on. Move on. Get up and move on. If people think you're still the same, you haven't changed, shame on you. That's a bad indictment. That's not a compliment. Spiritually speaking, I mean. So, Father, right now, we lock into the word. We draw it down. We thank you. We make room for it in our hearts and our lives. That me and my household will serve the Lord. Caleb, 85 years of age. Not a problem. Not a problem. The battle is spiritual, my friends. It's not a physical battle. You don't need age to fight a, a battle. You need spiritual maturity. You may, be, you may be 85 years of age, but got the spiritual maturity of a two-year-old. You may be six years in the Lord, but the spiritual stature of an 85-year-old. Age is not the issue. Your spiritual stature is. In Jesus' name, we pray right now. Father, we thank you for this food, this fellowship. Almost don't want to eat now. Father, right now, we sense your word. Your presence has been outstanding this morning, oh God. Come on, just thank him right now. Let's just not switch him off. Let's exit his presence with joy and thanksgiving this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for your being good to us this morning. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Oh. Come on, give it an amen, an amen. Two amens. That's what the crowd did in, Ezra, in, the, in the Nehemiah's time. The people, the people were joyous. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.